When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, listeners of Disruptive FM. This is your host and producer, Jeffrey Cologne. Just wanted to let you know that my book, Disruptive Marketing, is available now in the Kindle and audiobook format. In fact, the audiobook is doing so well, it's currently top 40 amongst marketing books. So hopefully you'll check it out. You can order those formats now. And if you like the good old-fashioned analog or hardcover version, you got to wait till August 9th, which is only a few weeks away, but you can put a pre-order in now. All at Amazon.com. Of course, you can also go where all books are sold as well. I appreciate your support, and I look forward to hearing your feedback about disruptive marketing. Press play. He's the voice of the intersection of marketing, tech, and popular culture. Thinking is his commodity. DJ, data punk, stylish sock collector, and author of the book Disruptive Marketing. Jeffrey Cologne is your host of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. It's Friday. It's another episode of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cologne. And for those wondering if I fell off the planet Earth or decided to take a spaceship somewhere else, I uh, actually was just on vacation with the family. But I probably should be a little more transparent the next time with some of the listeners or some of my listeners, since one of some of you or many of you asked, hey, where are you? And is the show still going on? So I apologize that we had a little interim of uh, two weeks in between episodes 51 and 52. But glad to be back. Um, The past couple weeks I've been busy traveling uh, on family vacation. And it was a lot of fun. Got to visit Cleveland, see some family there prior to the Republican National Convention, of course, which is coming up in July. So the city was still intact and on a high uh, based on the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA win. 
And then I uh, drove to Pittsburgh and we saw some family there and actually stayed downtown. And uh, while there, did a uh, disruptive marketer video blog from downtown Pittsburgh, which was a lot of fun, the city of Bridges, but didn't get to record an audio podcast. So glad to be back uh, here on the show. Last week, I was in Portland, Oregon, uh, and didn't have time to record an episode there. So um, my apologies. I want to make sure that uh, usually when I travel, I have time built in to record the podcast because it's very important to me because uh, I know it's very important to all of you as listeners. So uh, making sure that I build in that time. This upcoming week, I'm actually going to be in Orlando, Florida for MGX, also known as Microsoft Global Exchange. This is uh, the non-technical conference. It's an internal conference for Microsoft. And uh, even though I'm there, I will be recording a, a show uh, based on what might be happening in the world of marketing. Of course, I'd love to tell you what's going on at MGX, but that's all internal and confidential and private information. So uh, even though I'm there, I'll be recording a show based on what's happening contextually relevant in the world around us. So my book, Disruptive Marketing, is out on Kindle and audio, and it's doing quite well on audio. It's actually a top 40 or top 50 book when it comes to marketing and sales books. So hopefully you got a chance to check it out. I actually did the narration on the audio book and uh, really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. First time I've ever voiced a book and uh, looking forward to doing more of those. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about three different topics. First, the cloud and not ads will probably be the biggest business for the big advertiser companies out there in the near future. And what I mean by that is Google and Facebook, they are heavy and big advertisers, but advertising isn't really where they're going to make money in the next five years. It's going to be the cloud, and we'll talk a little bit about how they actually make that pivot and why they're going to make that pivot and why marketers need to pay attention to that. Second, voice as the new or next interface. So a lot of discussions out there in terms of video technology, even VR and AR technology based on Pokemon Go. And no, I am not dedicating a show yet to Pokemon Go, only because it was released on July 5th, and I'm actually recording this podcast on the 15th. So that's only 10 days after it's been launched. And I actually want to give it a little more time to see what happens when it comes to what they plan to engage with when it comes to marketing. They haven't talked a lot about that, what what they're going to integrate in terms of advertising or marketing. So I figured give it a little bit more time and maybe on the next episode, episode 53 or 54, we'll dedicate some time to Pokemon Go and the uh, virtual reality, augmented reality uh, phase of things. But I did want to talk about voice on this episode and how that's going to be the next interface and what might be happening there. And then on the third part of the show, the gig economy crackdown. Now, this is uh, interesting, and the reason I'm dedicating some time on this particular podcast to that is there are always Californication movements. And what I mean by that is you have a number of uh, disruptive companies that come onto the scene 
and they usually are sued away or people try to sue them away. And we're going to take a look into how uh, the gig economy cracked down, how that may affect uh, not just the companies, but how marketers use a lot of those companies moving forward. All that and more on the marketing podcast for eccentric minds, Disruptive FM. Hey, everyone, make sure you follow us on Twitter. We're at Disruptive FM. Of course, you can follow me individually on Twitter at DJGEOFFE and find out all the information you need about the show at DisruptiveFM.net. And of course, if you want to know where I'm speaking in the world, you can go to my Amazon author page, which is under my name, Jeffrey with a G, Cologne with a C, or go to my website, jeffreycologne.net slash speaking. That's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-C-O-L-O-N dot net slash speaking. The cloud, not ads, will be some of the biggest business for the big ad players. And what I mean by this is Google, uh, in 2015, had $74.5 billion in advertising revenue. But that is not where they're going to be making their money by 2020. In fact, Google's future is going to look a lot different. While it is busy making a lot of money in the ads business, and other companies are trying to catch up to it, they're going to pivot in the next couple years and actually put most of their emphasis into cloud computing. And a lot of that probably could eclipse its ad business altogether. Of course, we know that this is the case with Amazon and possibly Microsoft and other companies in the cloud. And we can't count Facebook out. I do think Facebook will get involved in cloud computing. I just think they'll get involved more from the personal cloud standpoint. You already have a number of things that exist within your profile on Facebook, so it makes easy uh, sense for them to pivot and say, hey, now with all that information that you have, we can pivot that and make that a private cloud. And I think that is their long-term strategy. So what happens if these companies don't necessarily abandon advertising, but really move in a direction where advertising isn't what is driving their bottom line? Well, one of the things that's interesting is advertising in general is becoming less effective in a lot of areas. And I think these companies know that. They know they can't bank on advertising forever. This is a way for them to build a bank account, so to speak. It's how a lot of media businesses got cash rich in the 20th century. And then they took a lot of that money and put it toward other endeavors. If you think about uh, some of the media companies that are out there, like the Viacoms of the world, although they're heavily concentrated in media, they started to branch out and put their money into other uh, holding companies, so to speak. So I think this is something that we will see within this area as well, as Google starts to grow in the cloud. And I think it will remain cash rich when it comes to ads. They're, that's not going to be what is the dominant player for them. What it means for advertisers is a lot of the formats that we've had or that we've taken into granted for a long period of time may not really exist in the next five years or six years. Uh, what you may have is a more customer relationship management model 
that is built in. So search is really, um, you know, voice enabled, but when it, you're basically asking a personal assistant questions, it's giving you help. And that is something that marketers will tap more into rather than serving up a number of interrupted ads. When it comes to Facebook, I think the same thing exists there. The native advertising they're so good at doing won't really exist moving forward because there won't be a need for it. We'll all have personal clouds. We'll all have our own personal channels. And I think one of the things that they're probably looking to do is to figure out new ways of allowing information to reach other people, maybe people to people, P2P type of networks, and a less of a reliance on advertisers using targeting or data to reach um, audience. Uh, in fact, what I could see is many of the marketers having access to possibly um, data that allows them to figure out, okay, how do we get information to a small group of people on um, certain uh, groups within that network, because that's what really counts. So that mass advertising that we've seen might really change because of cloud computing. So. The reason I love talking about topics like this on this particular show is we have a tendency as marketers to think that the world of marketing is going to be changed by marketing, and that's never really the case. Marketing is usually changed from outside forces. In this case, we've seen lots of changes in the past 10 years due to technology companies, and the same thing will exist here. Even those technology companies that are banking on advertising. Like Google and Facebook, I think could shake things up by moving in the direction of the cloud, and because that is their new territory, they're going to pay a lot of attention to, and where they're going to make or generate a, uh, most of their revenue. Advertising is going to fly in the face of much of that, and so they may not bankroll on that moving forward, and actually try to build new systems of connection, which is all possible with cloud computing.、Uh, the, People to people, personal to personal, brand to personal. There's a lot of different things that can happen here. Obviously, the network effect is going to be very, very large, and not so much the advertising effect. This is one of the reasons, and this is speculation, of course, why I think Microsoft bought LinkedIn because of the network effect is so big, and advertising will play less of an effect in the near future. That if you don't have a network, or at least don't have a network with a lot of user data, you're sort of left out、uh, to dry. Voice as the new interface. So Skype Translator, which converts spoken language in real time, and Microsoft's voice assistant Cortana came about. Because obviously we're moving in a direction where personal assistants are easy to, or I should say, easier to talk to rather than type to, and also because of all the advances in machine learning, that technology is finally sort of left the realm of science fiction. So if we go back to the late '60s film *2001: Space Odyssey*. And the astronauts were talking to Hal, and Hal was saying, "Yes, Dave, we're now past that point. That's no longer science fiction. That's reality." And 
the big push now is to make deep learning that powers these tools available to everyone. So no longer just some companies owning voice capabilities, but how do you open source that so that a lot of people can take advantage of that, including marketers? Because right now, I think marketers haven't really used voice voice enablement as something that's really interested them. Obviously, I'm a big proponent of uh, voice in general, which is why I love doing a podcast and I love a lot of voice-driven platforms like Anchor or Talk Show. Uh, and of course, I love SoundCloud and Spotify and all the uh, networks that are driven by audio. But um, it'll be interesting to see how this technology in terms of machine learning and voice enablement is opened up so everyone can take advantage of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to look at how we can start to recognize people based on what their identity is of their voice. And that will allow people to unlock personalized services, let's say on their laptop or their smartphone, possibly allow them to unlock um, their house or some other things that they could use in the future. So it's uh, um, interesting in this world now where we are, you know, there's two camps. You have a camp that is really trying to privatize voice enablement and a camp that is trying to democratize voice enablement. And I think that, um, you know, as computers become more accurate than humans in a lot of these areas, it'll be fascinating to see, you know, how a lot of this information is transcribed and actually powers our future world. Now, what it means for marketers, again, is we don't talk a lot about voice enablement whatsoever. We don't talk about how voice will open up or unlock interactive journeys, how we can talk to, let's say, a screen in a physical retailer that will allow us to uh, figure out if they have the product we're looking for in the store. Most things now are touch enabled. We touch a screen and we have to navigate. That makes sense. I think what's interesting here is because voice is the next interface, instead of touching anything, we'll basically just prompt it using our voice. Very similar to how we prompt things now on maybe automated telephone calls. Good example of that is when you call American Express and they say, what would you like to do? And you talk into the menu rather than choosing from a keypad of services. Of course, that's very crude and elementary, but if we look back on how quick technology takes off based on Moore's Law and a number of other factors, I think we're not too far away from a voice-activated uh, world. The gig economy crackdown is coming. So I'm a big fan of Uber. I use it quite a bit. I uh, think it's pretty great when I go to a city and I want to get around and I don't want to rent a car and I'm there for business. Of course, if I'm out in the country, it's hard to use. Like when I was visiting Cleveland and had to drive to Pittsburgh, it made sense to rent a car because I wasn't going to be able to Uber between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Though I'm sure they're thinking of 
some long distance routes in which uh, people can drive. But uh, then again, you know, that would probably have to be routes that are under two hours. I think anything that gets above two hours, no one wants to be in a car and would rather fly or take a train if possible. One of the things that we haven't really talked about here is that a lot of these on-demand companies, whether they're laundry cleaning, food delivery, ride hailing services, they're all using people who are not employees. They're temporary workers or they're contract workers. And this, of course, gets a lot of critics saying that a lot of these companies get away without, without having to pay workers' compensation insurance or Social Security or Medicare contributions. And one of the things I actually talk about in the book, Disruptive Marketing, is we are moving more and more toward a world of temporary workers. Um, do-it-yourselfers, gig economy uh, type of, uh, a gig economy type of landscape. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't argue in the book that this is good. I just say that this is the landscape that we're entering. We have to figure this out. And I also note, because we're entering that landscape, we should be talking about austerity programs, which we don't talk about at all. How do we actually take care of people uh, if they are in between gigs or don't have um, income, don't have any money, don't have a source of uh, a, a job? So one of the things that's interesting now is I think we're moving toward, uh, and this is going to happen very soon, a lot of class action lawsuits, um, probably in California, because that's usually where they happen, and that's where I came up with the whole term, you know, Californication. What I mean by Californication is if you look at what happened with Napster, uh, what happened with Tesla, and of course what's now going to happen with companies like Uber and Airbnb, is they're always sued in California, uh, usually after the fact after a um, behavior has already taken place. And they usually lose because lawsuits are hard to stop uh, behavioral activity. And usually what happens with a lot of these companies is they pivot their model, they make exceptions in some areas, and they keep going. Um, even in the case of Napster, where some people might say, well, no, Jeff, they actually lost because the RIAA won that lawsuit. Yeah. But they won, if you look at the fact that Apple came onto the scene about four or five years later and enacted their exact same business model, except you had to pay for uh, to download songs. So in that sense, Napster won. It was actually ushering in a lot of new um, behavior that people actually did want. So if we think about some of these class action suits that are going to be filed, and they're going to be filed against Uber, and they're going to be filed against you know Airbnb, and they're going to be filed against a lot of these uh, sharing or, or uh, you know sharing economy type uh, companies. It's going to be interesting to see how these companies fight back against that, because um, they're going to have to make the case that they're not trying to skirt any of these uh, workers' comp laws. The other issue, though, is that the on-demand economy may soon be unable to take its business model for granted. 
And when we think about that from a marketer standpoint, that changes a lot of the growth hacking ideology that existed for a long period of time in the world of the startup community. Because instead of just trying to get users for the sake of getting users and having a disruptive model that's changing behavior, if that business model is not allowed to continue based on what happens with these lawsuits, you may have a sustenance movement. And I've talked a lot about this in past episodes of the podcast. What I mean by that is we move toward companies not wanting to be disruptive for disruptive sake because they can't work on that business model anymore, but actually trying to build things where, hey, we're not going to use as many contractors as we did at one time. We're going to actually grow with real people. And as we grow, we're going to take care of those people. And as we take care of those people, they're going to create more word of mouth about how interesting of a company we are. And we're okay with having X amount of uh, paying customers because we don't need to have a billion. We're okay if we have 15,000 and those 15,000 help sustain our business and create incremental growth and allow us to actually survive. I think the one interesting thing here is most of those companies probably will not want to go public. They probably will not try to figure out how to take VC money because VCs will say, hey, you owe us a bunch of money uh, and then some. I think you may have uh, some of these companies started by people who maybe have cashed in in the past by having a number of startups where they made a lot of money and they became cash rich again. But maybe saying, hey, look, the way that uh, we've been treating people is not the best uh, you know, foot forward. And we have to think about people because that's a huge part of the corporate social responsibility movement or just a movement toward doing what's right for you know, people rather than what's existed in the past under sort of capitalist economic systems. Again, all speculation here, but things to think about because... A lot of these companies have been dominant for a, you know, a period of time. Not a long period of time because they're not that uh, old to begin with, but a, you know, a significant period of time over the last four years, let's say. And it, uh, they, it, it could be, they could be in for a curveball based on what happens here if those lawsuits do win. Could change their entire business models. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond, because how you respond based on government regulation is is how you're either going to survive or not survive. And we have not seen a lot of um, government regulation in general. If you look at what's going on with Google and the EU, there's not a lot of blueprints in the past for them to look at, because there's not a lot of antitrust lawsuits that uh, are, you know, there's not a lot of uh, antitrust um, legislation that's usually passed by the U.S. government. There's not a lot of blueprints in the past that you can follow for the future. And I think what we could, we, we are going to have here in terms of the gig economy are class action suits that, um, you know, basically there is nothing we've ever seen like this. 
but it could actually change how these businesses work. And the new startups coming up through the pipeline might take note of that and realize, hey, what they did as unicorns, we're fine just being a My Little Pony. That's episode number 52 for Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. I'm your host, Jeffrey Cologne. Join me weekly. We release a new episode every single Friday and sometimes on other days, depending on how my schedule's working. But subscribe to our show on iTunes. That way you don't miss any of the shows. And of course, review and rate our show. That helps a lot in terms of how people find the show. And we are all over the place. We're on a bunch of different platforms. So if you don't um, have an iPhone or don't use iOS or OS X and you use Android, we're on Google Play Music. So you can find the show there. You can use the Stitcher app. You can find the show there. You can use the TuneIn app. You can find the show there. You can use SoundCloud app. You can find the show there. You can use the Spreaker app. You can find the show there. Or you can go on YouTube and uh, just type in Disruptive FM and find all the episodes. Or go to my channel, youtube.com slash D-J-G-E-O-F-F-E. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to an episode of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. Remember to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Purchase a copy of Jeffrey's latest book, Disruptive Marketing, on Kindle, hardcover and audio. Signing off from the city of Seattle. Press pause. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.